Hi, this is Elise Cantrell, and today I would like to talk with you about how to reframe and reclaim your New Year's intentions with ahimsa and loving kindness when it comes to diet, exercise, and health. And with February being the month of love, I really want to cultivate loving kindness into your eating and exercise regime, the 40 Days to Enlightened Eating Way. And let me introduce myself. My name is Elise Cantrell, and I'm the author of 40 Days to Enlightened Eating and Petals of the Lotus. I am a mind, body, and spirit wellness instructor, yoga instructor, Ayurveda practitioner, Reiki practitioner, and also an animal communicator, as well as an angel communicator. And uh, so I do lots of fun things, but my greatest passion is truly sharing mind, body, and spirit wellness with everyone. So as we um, begin to reframe and reclaim our New Year's intentions, I want you to um, come into focus. This is February. It's the month of love. Many of us have um, already let our intentions fall by the wayside this year. And I'd like us to reframe and reclaim our intentions with love during the month of love, especially love for ourselves. And let's begin today before we begin the talk with a yoga mudra or yoga pose for the hands, the heart mudra, the mudra of love. And um, the way we will do the mudra is place the index finger down at the root of the thumb and then place the tip of the thumb against the middle finger and the ring finger and let the pinky extend out straight. And just hold both hands in this position. And I want to tell you some of the benefits of this mudra called Mritsanjivani Mudra. And Mritsanjivani means the mudra, the one which saves lives. And I love sharing this particular mudra because it is said to prevent heart attacks or stop a heart attack in its tracks. So this is a good one for you or your loved ones. Um, it helps release chest pain, helps with angina, heart palpitations. Um, it helps with anxiety attacks, stopping the anxiety attack. Great for stress relief and also great for depression. 
So it's an overall great mudra, um, very healthy. Now, of course, never substitute a mudra for um, going to the hospital if you're having chest pains. But this may be a good intermediary way to um, help you or a loved one between the visit to the hospital. So um, you can release the mudra. And I also thought I would teach you a heart mantra that is a vibrational sound that is said to open up the heart space. And it comes from the seed sound or bija mantra, yam. And I'd like us to say the sound yam three times together and just allow our heart space to open, especially and allow it to open towards ourselves. So taking a deep breath in and exhale. Yum. 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 Very good. And now that we have opened our heart space and relaxed ourselves with the heart mudra, I'd like to begin to talk about how to reframe and reclaim your news intentions that you set at the beginning of the year with ahimsa and loving kindness, the enlightened eating way. So let's talk about how to reframe and reclaim your New Year's intentions with ahimsa and loving kindness when it comes to your diet, exercise, and health. So we've all probably started out the new year with some kind of self-improvement intentions, but most of us have probably already let those intentions fall by the wayside. So here's some unconventional advice for you. Each new year, I observe that almost immediately after the stroke of midnight, millions of people march themselves into the new year, resolving to inflict upon themselves harsh new objectives and rigid new goals in order to whip themselves into shape. Perhaps some of this is self-punishment for the many holiday indulgences, Maybe it's just like the Christmas credit card bills, that it's repayment is now coming due for holiday eating. Some folks resign themselves to bland and severe diets, force down bitter juice concoctions, or banish joy of any kind from their plates. And I've seen people enslave themselves to the latest piece of exercise equipment for long periods of time in January, squeezing out every drop of holiday joy from their being along with the drops of sweat. This lasts maybe a month, possibly six weeks, but once the momentum of self-flagellation has worn off, they give up and go back to the old ways no better off than before. It's because they've started off the year with the intention of deprivation, den denial, and strain. This is a joyless energy that we have all come to know well in our culture but it's one that hasn't ever served us. Somehow our culture has bought into the belief that we can bully ourselves into better weight and health. Our cultural norm is based on old worn out ideas about how things should be. I'm here to tell you there is a better way. I'm here to tell you that you can love and enjoy your way to optimal weight and health, and I'm gonna tell you how. First, you want to find exercise and movement that actually brings you joy. When you enjoy what you're doing, it's not hard to stick to it. Personally, I love yoga and I love walking the dog. A walk on the treadmill seems like it takes dog years to me, but an hour of yoga practice seems like it passes by in seconds. I come away from these exercises feeling great mentally as well as physically and spiritually. I still have energy and enthusiasm left for the other things I need and want to do. I don't feel put out, burdened, or annoyed. I actually look forward to walking and yoga as ways to move my body. I may not have the body of an Olympic athlete or a 17-year-old supermodel or a Hollywood starlet, but I'm not these things. And I don't buy into the cultural paradigm that this is how women should look. It's, it's neither necessary or even healthy for a 46-year-old mother of two teenagers 
to work towards a, such a ridiculous standard. I'm at a healthy weight and I feel great and for me that's enough. Whatever exercises bring you joy, do that. Whatever exercise keeps you wanting to come back for more, that is the exercise you should do. We cannot toil and slave our way to better weight and health. All this does is steal our joy and beat us down. When we get enough of that from the outside circumstances in our lives, so it makes no sense to inflict it upon ourselves. The second piece of advice I have to give you um, to reframe your intentions is rather than put yourself on counting and, and strict dieting, is to eat real food. All you have to do is eat real food. The food industries let us think that rice cakes, expensive protein powders, shakes, and so-called healthy bars equate to weight loss. This is nothing but marketing. The only path to better weight and health is to eat the foods we were designed to eat. Simple as that. We were made to eat things that grow on trees, vines, bushes, and stalks. So stop resolving yourself to bland and restrictive eating plans or weighing your food, counting every calorie, fat, carb, or point. Doing these things turn eating into a math class. And how dull is that? It steals the joy and obliterates your natural instincts about eating and food. Counting and measuring put you in deprivation mindset. Whenever we try to deprive the body, it always outsmarts us and causes rebound cravings. You can't trick the body. When you eat the way you were designed to eat, you will naturally crave what you need to satisfy the body's nutrient requirements at that moment. When you eat the foods you were designed to eat, nature takes care of the rest. You will weigh what you were designed to weigh, no math necessary. Find delicious, easy recipes that contain real ingredients and eat until you feel satisfied. Healthy eating is a joy for me because I never feel bored or deprived. I make yummy and real food. I enjoy cooking. And my intention is not to deprive myself. Instead, my intention is how well can I nourish myself. The third thing I want to offer to you is to be kinder to yourself. Let go of self-judgment. Stop berating yourself for what you did or you didn't do. Instead, focus on your successes and keep moving forward. When we beat ourselves up, we beat ourselves down. When we feel beat down, we lose momentum and motivation. Our energy gets heavier and heavier, and this actually shows up as weight in the physical body itself. We begin to seek comfort from old comfort foods, alcohol, TV, and the like, and we quickly find ourselves back in the same hole we started in. Has beating yourself up ever worked for you? No, of course it hasn't. So why do we keep doing it? As you walk the path of self-improvement and transformation, the only way forward is through loving kindness to yourself. Consciously work in opportunities to relax, rest, and play. Give yourself the space to make mistakes at the gym or in the kitchen, and then get back up and try again without the usual self-criticism or mental torture. Only you can lift yourself up. You should always be on your own side, and you should start immediately. So I invite you now in February to experiment with giving yourself the gifts of an unconventional new year and some unconventional intentions. Treating yourself with loving kindness, loving your way into better weight and health. Doing the same old thing will keep getting you the same results. Isn't it time to try something different? For if not now, when? Now the next thing I want to talk to you about is ahimsa. A Sanskrit concept and I want to know if you're doing your body more harm than good because most people actually are they think they're doing the right thing they think they're have the right way to take care of their body and health and they're actually doing more harm than good and I want to start you out with a quote from Yogi Adil Palkava true yoga is not about the shape of your body but the shape of your life
So ahimsa is a Sanskrit word which translates as nonviolence. Ahimsa is practiced by refraining from causing injury, harm, pain, or suffering to any creature on earth, including you. Ahimsa is an ethical observance embraced in the yoga tradition. It involves avoiding violent or forceful actions, unkind thoughts, or hurtful words. I've observed that most people strive not to harm other beings, but the biggest struggle seems to be when it comes to the self, particularly when it comes to weight and physical body. We verbally berate each other or ourselves for what we've eaten. We think unkind thoughts to ourselves like, I'm not skinny enough, or I'm fat, or I hate my thighs, I don't like my belly. We beat ourselves up at the gym by over-exercising. We abuse ourselves in yoga classes by forcing our bodies into postures or positions that go against our inner wisdom. Somehow we've been brainwashed to believe that in order to look good, we have to mistreat ourselves. I've watched episodes of The Biggest Loser in horror while participants are pushed so hard at the gym that they literally collapse, pass out, or throw up. They are humiliated in front of their peers for their weight, lack of stamina, or food choices. Torture is not the path to well-being or to the optimal you. No one becomes the enlightened version of themselves by inflicting pain and abuse. So never beat yourself up for not measuring up to the almost superhuman standards or physical ideals that are worshipped by our culture. There's an Ayurvedic term for insisting on taking action that goes against your health and inner wisdom. It's prajnaparada, and it literally translates as an offense against wisdom. And this happens whenever one part of you, one part of you, insists on an action that is detrimental to the rest of you. It happens when you know deep inside that something is not right for your body, mind, or spirit, but you obstinately go ahead and do it anyway, ignoring nature's warnings. Beginning today, I want you to give yourself permission to stop rejecting yourself, your body, your weight the lines on your face, the shape of your tummy, or the size of your thighs. The path to well-being is the path of self-love, not self-abuse. I want you to use the following guidelines to find out whether or not you're doing your body more harm than good. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions and just answer them to yourselves. These are questions how to tell whether or not you're practicing ahimsa, non-harming or non-violence or loving kindness in your exercise regime. First question is, does it hurt? Are you miserable? Do you hate every moment? Is your exercise regime causing injuries? Are you exercising with an injury and just ignoring the pain? Do you feel like you have been beat up? hit by a bus or something else afterwards or the next day? Do you feel depleted and fatigued the rest of the day with no energy left to do the things you enjoy? Do you enjoy your exercise routine at all? Now here's how to tell whether or not you're practicing ahimsa in eating. Are you going hungry? letting your stomach burn, growl, or cramp? Are you forcing yourself to eat foods you don't even like just to lose weight? Are you leaving no room for error, no room for fun? Have you eliminated entire food groups? Are there more things you can't eat than you can? Some dieters find reasons to eliminate almost everything. Are you berating yourself mentally and beating yourself up after eating the wrong foods or eating too much? So if you had a few yeses in there, you may need to work on practicing ahimsa a little bit more. So here is how to practice ahimsa 
loving kindness in your exercise regime. Exercise moderately, not too much, not too little. Exercise between 30 minutes to one hour daily. Two to three hour workouts are excessive. Find an exercise regime that you actually enjoy. Exercise in a way that brings you joy and not misery. Exercise should not hurt or injure you or make you feel bad afterwards. It should energize and enliven you. Do not power through your workout, ignoring injuries or your body's messages. So listen to your body. Are you allowing yourself time to rest? Make sure you are balancing physical exercise with appropriate rest. Here's how to practice ahimsa with your eating. Never quote in quotes diet. Instead, nourish yourself with vibrant, wholesome, living foods. Eat enough, not too much, not too little. Don't leave yourself feeling stuffed or feeling hungry, no deprivation. Find and prepare healthy recipes that happen to taste delicious. And I'm, my new 40 Days to Enlightened Eating cookbook that's coming out is full of them because my family would not go along with eating healthy if it didn't taste good. And honestly, neither would I. I'm a big foodie and I love to eat, so it has to taste good, but it also has to be healthy for me at the same time. Never deprive yourself when you feel hungry. And if you make a poor food choice or overeat, let it go. Move on and start over. Never berate yourself or insult yourself for it. Some other ideas are to choose foods grown in sustainable ways that don't harm the environment. If you eat meat, then choose to eat clean meats that are humanely, humanely raised, not humanely raised, but humanely raised and minimally processed. Avoid GMO foods like organic soy and corn, which are flooding the food market. And they also are proven to cause environmental harm as well as harm to our physical health. Now, if you perceive yourself as battling with your weight, what I want you to know is that you're really battling against yourself. In a battle against yourself, no matter what, you're always destined to lose. When the mind and body are at war with each other, the soul is always what comes away wounded. In that battle, the violence against yourself and you have already won. Put down your weapons and create a self-care plan. Not a plan to beat yourself up, but a self-care plan that nourishes you into the best version of yourself, body, mind, and soul. And here's a nice quote uh, by Richard Folds, who was the former dean of Kripalu uh, Center of Yoga and Health. Yoga is not about attaining any form of external perfection. It's not about developing the perfect body, doing perfect yoga postures, or living the perfect yoga lifestyle. Yoga is a way to be fully present to the reality of life unfolding in the moment, however it is showing up. Rather than teaching you how to get somewhere else, yoga helps you to be fully where you are. So now that I've given you some unconventional advice and that we've talked about ahimsa and how to practice loving kindness with exercise and eating, let's talk about starting over. So after maybe falling off the wagon since the beginning of the new year, what are, are just knowing that our mistakes can be our biggest teachers? I want to read you a poem. Let go of perfection. There are no mistakes, only learning. Accept where you are, embrace your resistance, and be open to growth through experience. Honor your humanity and learn from all teachers. Now, yoga and meditation are kind of one and the same. So meditation itself is an exercise in starting over. The goal of meditation is to keep the mind focused or the breath focused 
um, on a fixed object such as a candle, flower, picture, mantra, or fixed point in space. So you're either focusing on your breath or focusing on a mantra or another point. And whenever the mind begins to wander away from the point of focus, and it will inevitably wander away, you simply recognize that it has drifted and return the mind back to its original focal point. In meditation again and again and again, it's necessary to gently direct the mind back to its focus. Eventually, the mind wanders less and less frequently, and eventually, the focus is trained. Ultimately, you're able to stay longer and longer without drifting away, and those moments are bliss. Life is also an exercise in maintaining focus and confronting inevitable imperfection, the drifting away. Life also gives us many chances, as many as we need, to start over again, just like meditation, and give things another go. Eventually, we get it right, and healthy eating works the same way. Slip-ups happen. Setbacks happen on any journey. Slip-ups in, um, slip in which you lapse into your old ways of eating can happen at any time, but they don't have to derail you. These old patterns, old grooves, or we call them samskaras in yoga tradition, may be familiar and comfortable, but you know they haven't worked in your favor. So instead of beating yourself up, it's important to learn from setbacks. When perfection ends, beauty begins. When I teach my enlightened eating classes, my students have had their biggest moments of realization and learning from a relapse into eating old things they used to eat and noticing how really awful they felt afterwards. I remember one student had to sleep almost sitting up after getting a meal at a local Mexican restaurant because her heartburn was so terrible. I remember another student saying that her joints ached so badly after indulging in processed foods. Another student almost became physically ill after ingesting salad greens that had a chemical taste to them. One of my students just made a few small slip-ups one week during the 40 days, and then she was really disappointed because she didn't lose any weight over that week. And her goals, so her goals weren't moving forward. Over Christmas breaks, I got a little lax myself with my own eating, and I began to notice that I, my joints were getting a little achy, I felt a little heavy, bloated, stiff, my energy got more sluggish, and these setbacks for me were great teachers too. Imperfection is inevitable, but learning from it is certain. Each time we wander away from our ideal way of eating, the opportunity is always there to return to our focus, to return to our intention, and to begin a little wiser. To stay on the path and make permanent change, we must begin again as many times as it takes to get it right. Eating well is a practice just like yoga is a practice. As long as you're willing to start over as many times as it takes, you will, you will see results and your intentions will be realized. For me and for my students, the three-day cleanse in my book, 40 Days to Enlightened Eating, is really our number one way of returning back to the focus of our intentions we set at the beginning of the 40 days. And it's really a 40 days about eating in alignment with the mind, body, and spirit. So if you ever find you've lost focus on eating in an enlightened way, Simply start over. You can return to the cleanse for three days. I think doing this is kind of like setting, pressing your own reset button. It focuses you back on your intention. It's okay to start over as many times as it takes to become enlightened. As a teacher of 40 Days to Enlightened Eating, I myself repeat the 40 days over and over again along with each group I lead. With each group experience, my awareness always expands. My trust in the process deepens, my focus sharpens, and my ability to remain engaged in eating the right food increases time after time. I'd like to read you a quote from Jack Cornfield. 
Each morning we are born again. What we do today is what matters the most. So each day is a new beginning. And treat it that way. There's no messing up. There's no derailing. There's just starting over, over and over again until you get it right. Here's another quote I'd like to share by St. Francis de Sales. Have patience with all things, but chiefly patience with yourself. Do not lose courage in considering your imperfections, but instantly set about remedying them. Every day, begin the task anew. So now that you're starting over, I'd like to talk to you about setting intentions. I'd like to read you a few quotes about intentions because intentions have been a powerful part of my life for many years now, and I've seen miracles come from simply the practice of setting intentions. An intention synchronistically organizes its own fulfillment. That was Deepak Chopra. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, once you make a decision, the universe conspires to make it happen. Dr. Wayne Dyer says, our intention creates our reality. Also, Deepak Chopra says, your intention is the most powerful tool at your disposal. And here's one more quote. I'm not sure who this one is from, but it's the starting point of any journey is having a clear intention. Some of the greatest minds in our times have repeatedly emphasized the power of intention. By intention alone, great things are accomplished. Mountains are moved and obstacles are removed. We as humans are so fortunate to be able to reconstruct ourselves by simply changing the foods we eat. Since our physical body is composed entirely of the foods we eat, we have the possibility of rebuilding ourselves from the inside out. On the other hand, if you take a house built of poor, cheap materials, it would have to be torn down and then rebuilt completely. We can begin to remake ourselves today, making changes step by step, day by day, over time, is transformational. It's what transformation is about. I want to share with you some of the intentions I talk about with my students in 40 Days to Enlightened Eating. One of them is to let what is inside your refrigerator and cupboards set the intention for the inside of the way your body looks. Clean out your fridge and cupboards so that they sparkle and shine, filled with only clean foods and let this symbolize how the inside of your body looks and feels as well. So as clean as the inside of your refrigerator and cupboards are, is honestly as clean as the inside of your body will be. The other intention I like to get them to set is to set the intention to practice yoga daily, even if it's only for 10 or 15 minutes. And if you don't practice yoga, it can always be some other form of exercise. But some ways that I'm able to keep myself committed to a yoga practice every day is that I find a place in my home that I can devote to yoga. I have a guest room. And in that guest room, I keep the yoga mat out on the floor at all times, unless there's a guest. And this is my kind of sacred space. And I surround the mat with special items that inspire me. Have my vision board there. I have some stones and crystals, my angel cards. So I just make it a really, I also have affirmations there to read, um, meditation cushions so I can also meditate. So you just have to have it set up already so it's just easy to go to your mat any time of day to stretch, meditate, or relax. Let your yoga mat that's there set out for you be your open invitation to go within and explore, even if it's just for 10 minutes a day. And um, what I find is that if I bargain myself for just a few minutes a day, I'm always there way longer, and most likely at least an hour. And um, it's sacred time for me, honestly. And um, it's my own self-care regime, my own self-care program. And I actually schedule in my own yoga practice on my calendar. 
And if something comes up, somebody needs me to do something during my yoga time, I tell them that, no, I already have a commitment during that time that we'll have to do it at a different time. And I'm kind of fanatical about that. And um, that's one of the things that keeps me so balanced and healthy mind, body, and soul. And if you've ever been someone who's been out of health, which I have been, you know how important it is to um, commit yourself to your health. So I want to talk to you a little more about intentions and setting your own intentions. So intentions begin with thoughts and then they come into words. And trust me, your body believes everything is told the cells in your body respond to everything you think and say. Beginning today, I'm going to invite you to consciously choose your thoughts and words as carefully as you choose the foods you eat. Now we're going to do a little practice here in a moment to reboot and redirect your intentions. Now you've already been setting intentions for yourself, whether consciously or unconsciously. We often set negative intentions for ourselves without even realizing it. The most dangerous intentions we set are the ones we aren't even aware of. What messages have you subtly been telling yourself? These are some examples I hear from my students. They say, I've had a, I have a slow metabolism. I can't lose weight. I weigh too much. I'm heavy. I'm addicted to sugar. I can't go without dessert. I can't go without sugar. I don't have the energy to exercise. Or I'm just too tired when I get home from work. These are self-sabotaging intentions that they have set in their mind. Now we have the power to override and overwrite these intentions and overwrite and override our own neuropathways. Let me read you a quote by one of my teachers, Judith Hanson Lassiter. She says, My words reflect my thoughts. My thoughts reflect my beliefs. My beliefs run my life, especially the unexamined ones. So today I'm going to help you become aware of your unconscious, unexamined intentions that you've been setting up until now. What I want you to do is take a moment, quietly, and think to yourself, what negative messages have I been feeding myself? And just bring them into your conscious awareness. And don't worry, we're going to be rebooting and overriding these intentions. When you've thought of some, maybe think of three, four, even five that you notice yourself thinking, I'm going to have you write those unexamined intentions, unconscious intentions that are negative that you've been setting down for yourself. And don't worry, we're writing them down because we are going to overwrite them. So don't worry that we're not setting them as intentions at all. We're going to get rid of them, release them. So by repeatedly telling yourself these intentions or messages, You've actually been aligning yourself with these negative intentions unconsciously. So how do these messages make you feel? Any surprises now that you've brought these thoughts and messages into your conscious awareness? Any surprises now that may, may be why you haven't followed through with your January uh, intentions? Now I'm going to have you ask yourself four questions, and these questions come from Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. And these are powerful questions to ask yourself anytime you find yourself locked into a way of thinking or um, a particular intention or a state of mind. So are these messages you're telling yourself subconsciously, are they really true? Can you absolutely know these messages are true? How does it make you feel when you believe these things are true? Who would you be if this, these things really were not true? 
So now I want to have you take those same intentions and we're going to rewrite them and we're going to change them into a positive intention. And for here forward, moving out into the year, I want you to use these intentions in place of the old intentions. So some examples might be, if you might have said if you had a slow metabolism and you can't lose weight, it might be, I have a fast metabolism and I lose weight with ease. Another one might be, I'm full of energy and exercise is fun. I love getting on my yoga mat and practicing yoga for as long as I can. Whatever yours may be, I'm going to give you just a few moments to write yours down in a positive manner. And also make sure that you're, you're writing them in positive languaging as if they're already happening. How do these new messages make you feel? This second list is going to become your intentions moving forward as you reframe and reclaim your New Year's intentions. So by writing these intentions down and placing them somewhere where you can see them daily and, and read, read these daily, you're actually reprogramming your brain to believe a new truth, a new paradigm. You're overriding your old belief system and changing your own neurochemistry and building new neuropathways. Changing your brain actually causes you to change biologically and begin to align with these new intentions. Some other things I like to suggest my students do is to Choose a bracelet or go buy a bracelet um, and wear it on your wrist. One that feels really good on your wrist. I love using crystal bracelets because we can infuse our intentions right into the crystal. But I have my students get a bracelet, infusing their positive intentions into the bracelet and wear it for the whole 40 days of our 40 days to enlightened eating practice. And then every day as they, they're eating, it's on their wrist, they see that reminder of their intentions, or if they're thinking about skipping their exercise practice, they see that little reminder on their wrist to keep them going. It helps them to um, glance at their wrist when they're feeling tempted to stray away in any way from their intentions. And they found it really a powerful little way to practice. Another intention I like to share with my students is to have them make their own convenience food. So one of my tips, even though it's not ideal in Ayurveda to freeze food, it's better than convenience food, fast food, or takeout, or delivery foods. So what I like to do myself for my family for busy nights is on one night when I'm not so busy, I'll cook a large meal and freeze several portions for those days when our schedule is hectic and crazy. I am a soccer mom. And I'm a senior in high school, so we do have those busy nights. And I'm a busy teacher and writer, and sometimes I need a quick lunch just to pull out and serve on a whim, on a moment's notice. I even make double wrap batches of some recipes with the intent to freeze, you know, a family-sized serving. You know, if we have a late night or something like that, to uh, have something in place ready for us to eat. So those are some ideas to give you intentions as you move forward here in February. So now that we've become clear about the intentions we want to set and the ones that we are unconsciously setting and clearing those aside, we're ready to take on a beginner's mind. And beginner's mind is a yogic concept in which we clear away everything we think we know and replace it with openness. And uh, I'd like to start with a quote from me. In order, us, in order for us to learn something new, often we first have to unlearn. And I find that a lot in teaching my 40 Days to Enlightened Eating classes, that we have to unlearn how we've been eating for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years in order to create something new, and to, in order to bring about the changes and the transformation that we're looking forward to seeing. 
Um, there's a quote by um, Buddhist monk Suzuki Roshi, which perfectly summarizes beginner's mind. He says, in beginner's mind, there are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. So very often we let our knowing get in the way of our learning. Our minds can be closed down by our own preconceptions, prejudices, and judgments about things or about the way things are or should be. And by allowing ourselves to experience a beginner's mind, we suddenly shift out of those old patterns and open into new possibilities. Uh, when we become a beginner, we're open for transformation to take place. We are creating space in our lives for grace to flow in. So that's what I want to invite you to do um, right now is to start a clean slate for yourself about eating, food, exercise, and coming to a beginner's mind, looking at eating and food a new and different way. Start new patterns, new ideas, and create new habits. I want you to approach eating and food with openness. With the curiosity of a child, I invite you to try new foods that you've never tried before, different vegetables and fruits. Um, I remember in my 40 Days to Enlightened Eating class, one of my students, the only vegetables she'd ever eaten were potatoes, corn, and green beans. And um, just by getting her to experiment and try new vegetables, new fruits, and things that she'd never tried, she was opened up to this whole new world of possibility. In another uh, scenario in one of my classes, there was a student who ate uh, protein bars for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it was a struggle to let her begin to get her to release that idea of a convenience food, prepackaged food, and that she was really missing out on the true nutrients that are in real foods. And um, it was a struggle at first getting her to let go of her bars, but finally when we got her into cooking and eating real food, that's when she started to change. That's when she started to transform. And that's when she started to see the results she had been looking to see from those protein bars that she was never really getting. So it's powerful, powerful to make a change and become back a beginner again, even with something as basic as eating in food. So begin today observing yourself when it comes to eating in food as if you're new to it. I want you to notice what and how much you're eating and drinking and how often. Begin to read the ingredients of the foods you eat. Read the packages. I want you to closely observe how foods taste and how you feel after eating them. If you're not eating organic foods, try switching to organics and see if you don't notice a difference in your energy, um, that you start to lose some of the aches and the pains in the body, and that your mind becomes more clear. Just observe for yourself. Don't believe me. I want you to try it for yourself. I want you to begin to pay attention to um, the foods that you're eating, are they something you're actually even craving? Um, you may be craving something else but eating the things that you're not craving. So start to notice what your cravings really are. Maybe you're craving Cheetos when your body really wants cheese. So you may be craving orange um, soda. Your body really wants oranges, citrus, the minerals and the vitamins and the micronutrients in it. I want you to begin to notice if there's any anxiety for you around eating and food. I want you to notice, do you feel energized after eating or do you feel heavy and sluggish? Notice how much water you're drinking. How much alcohol are you ingesting daily? For one day, I just want you to take the time throughout the entire day and just observe through new eyes how you come to eating and food. This will bring about awareness, and awareness is the most important step you can make towards change. New awareness is going to start to emerge if you trust and take on a beginner's mind. And I want to finish this section with a poem, or actually um, it's the words of Lao Tzu from Tao Te Ching 27. He says, 
a good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent upon arriving. A good artist lets his intuition lead him wherever it wants. A good scientist has freed himself of concepts and keeps his mind open to what is. An open mind is a beginner's mind. So now that we've cultivated a beginner's mind, I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about the concept of inquiry and investigation. And I love to tell my students a, a quote from the Buddha. Don't believe anything I tell you. Go and find out for yourself. And, and this is really um, the teaching behind Kripalu Yoga, the yoga I teach. It's the yoga of experimentation, inquiry, and investigation. And you do that in your own yoga practice, experimenting with the poses that are right for you. Also, um, I'm an Ayurveda practitioner, and Ayurveda also teaches this concept of learning from the truth of your own direct experience. So I don't want anybody to believe what I tell them. I tell my students, get, have an open mind, do the 40 days. If it doesn't work for you, um, then, you know, it doesn't work for you. I've, but I can tell you this, I've never had a single student tell me they wish they could go back to how they felt before they did the 40 days to enlightened eating. I've never had one person say, gosh, I wish I never had done 40 days to enlightened eating. They all have, from their own direct experience, seen powerful results. So we're going to start talking about um, inquiry and investigation a little bit. And for me, myself, every time I restart the 40 days to enlightened eating, and I do it over and over again, very frequently. And um, I love to try or set up a new inquiry for myself. At one time or another, I've tried dairy-free, coffee-free, alcohol-free, gluten-free, vegan, and all of doing that, all in the quests of finding ways of eating that work best for me. By experimenting, I was able to discover what was right for me and my body. I invite you to set up your own experiment for 40 days. Design and create your own inquiry into eating and food. Here's some examples that my students have set up for themselves during the 40 days to enlighten eating classes. How do I feel going meatless for 40 days or giving up red meat? How do I feel without wine or gluten, caffeine or dairy? Perhaps you've always wondered how you would feel as a vegetarian or a vegan. What if you tried vegan during the week or vegetarian on the weekend? Or vegan during the day and vegetarian for dinner? Or any combination of those things. What about just trying meatless Mondays? And I've had a couple of students of mine try to experiment with not looking at the scales for 40 days. Just going by how they feel and at the fit of their clothing. Now, as you step into the journey of inquiry, it's really important to inquire about what hasn't been working for you on your path to optimal weight and health. Take a moment and think of the efforts you've previously made when it comes to eating and food and exercise. Consider whether you may have been doing the following things in order to reach your optimal weight and health, because I see these happen a lot. Obsessing, complaining, fretting, planning and strategizing, denial, giving up, or trying harder instead of trying something different. So, Keep it in mind both inquiries into what might work and also looking back at wasn't what doesn't work is a powerful way of making your way forward on the journey to optimal weight and health. Now that we've talked about inquiry and investigation, let's move on to the process of transformation. And I've seen transformations happen many, many times over as I've taught my 40 Days to Enlightened Eating classes. 
And I want to start this section out with a quote from the Ayurvedic text, the Charak Samhita. From proper diet arises longevity, good memory, wisdom, health, youth, lustrous complexion, excellence of voice, strength of the body, and senses of the highest order, power of speech, respect, and beauty. Now, what's not to like about those things? I used to think the transformation happened only once, and then you're all done with it. But actually, as I've traveled through life, I realize that transformation is an ongoing process. It's like peeling the layers of an onion away one layer at a time. Life is full of many transformations, like little bitty small transformations. It is through the many cycles of transformation that we evolve higher and higher to the next level. Now, transforming your eating can't help but be a catalyst for personal transformation. What we eat transforms us from the inside out. When we change one thing in life, like a domino effect, it begins a chain reaction. When just one person changes for the better, the whole world feels the ripple effects. I love this quote by Mark Nepo. The journey of coming who we were born to be never ends. It's limitless, eternal. We don't arrive, we grow. And grow, and to grow, requires presence and patience. Change can happen suddenly and quickly, as in a shift in perspective or discovering a new truth or opening the mind to new possibilities. But often transformation requires perseverance. And perseverance for me is truly the path to transformation. It takes thousands of years for charcoal under pressure to become a diamond. It's not instantaneous. It's a process. Sometimes transformation involves struggle. Muddy clay cannot become beautiful pottery until it has been put through the fire. Refinement and purification is part of transformation. Pure, high-quality gold is produced by heating metal and burning away impurities. Yoga itself is a catalyst for transformation. When you practice yoga, you start wherever you are, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And yoga practice just requires you showing up regularly and consistently. Yoga is a process of refining the body, the mind, and the spirit. The practice begins working on the physical level as the postures and breath begin to move toxins out of the tissues, the lymph nodes and glands, stuck energy gets released, areas of tightness and tension are removed, allowing energy to flow freely through the body. As we stretch the physical body, we also begin to expand our being towards our highest self. According to Deepak Chopra, the most creative act you will ever undertake is the act of creating yourself. It is through our own transformation that the world itself begins to transform. Paramahansa Yogananda taught that the person who can transform himself has the power to transform the world. Let me finish this section with a poem called Bearing Gifts by Robert Holden. You are gift-wrapped. Unwrap yourself now. Let your gifts spill to the floor and all over the world. Watch how your kindness transforms this cruel world. See how love heals fear. Notice how your courage inspires us all. Let your smile release this old sad world. Give everyone you meet the star in your eye. Shine your light. Open your heart. Notice how your peace of mind makes any war more meaningless and harder to fight. Your happiness is a gift. It attracts angels from afar. And with that, I'd like to give us a little angel reading. 
And I always like to say a little prayer before I read from the angels. So I'm just calling in divine wisdom, the angels, the guardian angels of everyone listening, the archangels, and all that serve the highest good to just give us a reading and let us know what you would like us to take away from today, from our time together. And uh, a couple of cards came out. The first one says from the angels, Archangel Raziel, take back your power. Use your God-given power and intention to manifest blessings in your life. And how fitting with our talk today, because when you own your eating, you own your power. And we talked about intentions, setting the stage for transformation to happen. And then the second card is gifts from God. And the Archangel Sandalphon says, we angels bring you gifts from your creator. Open your arms now to receive. And how fitting was that card when the poem I just read you was Bearing Gifts by Robert Holden. So just being the gift that you are to this world and not letting anything as silly as eating and food and exercise and resolutions and intentions set you back or hold you back in this life. And I'd like to close today by one more poem called Love After Love by Derek Walcott. The time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you have ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit, feast on your life. And I'd like to leave you today with a heart affirmation as we took eating and food and exercise, yoga practice, and gave it some heart, some loving kindness in honor of February, the month of love. So the heart affirmation um, was given to me by a friend. I'm not sure where it came from or who was the author. Uh, it wasn't me. But the heart affirmation is, may my heart be open and radiate loving kindness to all, myself included. And I would like to finish this class with a honoring the light in you as I honor the light, same light that is in me, I say in the yoga, yogic word greeting, Namaste. Namaste to you all. Thank you for listening. May all be well.